Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. The second round is in full swing and the action increases from game to game. That's what happens in this time of year, y'all. This is where the contenders are separated from the pretenders. And if you've been listening to podcasts for King's News, you know where the Kings sit in this. So to give you some skin in the game, DraftKings will be offering free play pools every day of the basketball playoffs, offering players a free shot at up to $10,000 in total prizes. That's up to $10,000 in total prizes, up for grabs each day. The best part is that it's free to play. That's right, free. DraftKings is free to play pools are easy to enter. Just download the DraftKings app, go to pools, and choose from a wide variety of free contests for an opportunity to win cash prizes. All you have to do is answer a handful of questions around what you think is going to happen during that day's basketball games and track your results throughout the evening. Questions will range from which team will hit the most threes to which team will score first. Simple stuff. And DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. So you know what to do. Download the top-rated DraftKings app now and use the promo code TBPN when you sign up to get your free shot at up to $10,000 in total prizes every day of the basketball playoffs. Head to DraftKings Pools page to get your shot at huge cash prizes. It's promo code TBPN for a limited time only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for full details. Welcome back, everyone. What's good? What's going on out there? How do you do? How's your people doing? We about to be opened up in California, y'all. Yep, yep. I don't know exactly what that's going to mean for y'all, but yeah. That's kind of the vibe out this way. Oh, let me not be rude. Let me introduce myself. You know who I am. No, this is Jason Jones. I'm bringing you the latest episode of the Ruler of the Court podcast brought to you by the Basketball Podcast Network, where I talk Sacramento Kings basketball, where I talk hip hop, where I talk whatever else might come to mind. And I got a a little extra thing before I get to my music uh, after my Kings, before my music talk uh, later on in this episode. But... Let's go ahead and d- jump right on in. And what I've been doing most of the off season is 
kind of because uh, the Kings aren't in the playoffs, talking, kind of finding different Kings related things in the playoffs to talk about. And a lot of that's been about former Kings and what they've been doing in the postseason. And I got a text from a friend of mine, and I'm not going to say who he is because he may not want people to know he actually talks to me. <laughs> you know, he's a guy in the league, but made a, it was a joke, but it was kind of funny still. Uh, this was uh, after, I want to say after game, game four in the Milwaukee, yeah, game four in the Milwaukee-Brooklyn series. And it's, it's you know, game's a blowout, you know, game, you know, Milwaukee's comfortable comfortably ahead and Justin Jackson gets into the game for Milwaukee that's former Kings draft pick Justin Jackson uh Kings used the first round pick on him back in 2017 and uh they shipped him to Dallas as part of the along with Zach Randolph as part of the deal to bring Harrison Barnes to Sacramento since Justin's been traded to Oklahoma City been cut by Oklahoma City and now he's in Milwaukee and he and uh the point was uh, <laughs> that Justin Jackson and Harry Giles another former king obviously have both been in playoff games uh, been to the playoffs and De'Aaron Fox has not and of course that's you know tongue-in-cheek it's you know it's joking it's you know having a little fun with it but the point is this that Here's what I'm going to take it back to. When you have two lottery picks, as the Kings did in 2017, as a result of trading DeMarcus Cousins, you would hope that you land two starters, you know, with those picks. Kings had two top ten picks. And that would have been the fifth overall pick they used on Fox and the tenth pick. And... What the Kings did with that pick was, uh, obviously, they took De'Aaron, five overall. And then with the uh, 10th pick, they made a deal with Portland to get the 15th and 20th picks. The 15th pick ended up being Justin Jackson. The uh, 20th pick ended up being Harry Giles. And... The fact that neither one of them is on the team still <laughs> kind of tells you how those picks went. But yeah, by the way, too, if we want to get petty, uh, the the other pick from that draft, uh, Frank Mason, the third, 34th overall pick, in the sec- no, the second round pick, he also ap- appeared in uh, two playoff games last year, too, with Milwaukee. <laughs> so we got that as well. So every pick from 2017 of the Kings has a, at least appeared in a playoff game except De'Aaron Fox. You know, because that's not, you know, a knock on De'Aaron, obviously. Just a little note as I dive into my topic about former Kings in the postseason. And as I was saying, you have the, you have the fifth and the tenth pick. Ideally, you want two starters and at least one of those guys to be a star. And the Kings got De'Aaron, and De'Aaron has, you know, has steadily improved, but... They uh, took the 10th pick and turned it into, like I said, the 15th and 20th picks. And doing so, they missed out on several guys who could who ended up being all-stars. Not, not several all-stars, but guys who ended up being stars. And where do I begin? I'm not going to kill him for not taking Malik Monk at 11. But at 13, who was 13th pick in that draft? Some guy named Donovan Mitchell. 
who now is dropping 30-plus a night for the Utah Jazz in the postseason. Maybe the Kings felt with Buddy Hield in, in the fold. They didn't need another two-guard. But, damn it, who would you rather have right now, Buddy Hield or Donovan Mitchell? I think that's a pretty easy question or easy answer to that question. But the Kings didn't go that route. Then we keep on going down. 14th pick, Bam Adebayo. Another, uh, like Mitchell, Bam's been an all-star already. Uh, He went 14th, the pick before Justin Jackson. But if the Kings stayed at 10th, they could have taken him. And I'll tell you a little story about that. Uh, There were some in the Kings scouting department who really liked Bam Adebayo. You know, and... If you're going to take, you know, if you're going to double down on guys from the same school, why not two Kentucky guys? But the rationale I'm told from the front off, of the front office at the time, of Vlade and the crew, as to why they weren't going to take Bam was this. They didn't need another center because they had, <clears throat> they had Willie Cauley-Stein and Scal LaBissier. That's right. One one reason why Bam Adebayo was not a Sacramento King was because Vlade liked Scal and Willie. In case you haven't noticed, Willie is now a backup center or was a backup center last season in Dallas. Scal was playing in the G League last season. Yeah. So right now we've already hit two players that if the Kings had a hit on, and made the moves for those guys, just perhaps, perhaps, we're not talking about 15 straight years in the playoffs. Because again, as I said, you get two lottery picks. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta hit. And the Kings have had so many misses in the draft, it's kept them in this position, the position they're in now, which is this a team that loses more than it wins. I mean, yeah, lose, yeah, team loses more than it wins. So, but let's not stop there. Let's keep going because this shit here is funny. You, you scroll down, you know, Justin Patton, eh. DJ Wilson, eh. 19th pick, John Collins, Atlanta. And see, that's a guy, you know, he goes the pick before Harry Giles at 20. But um, Collins is a guy that I know a lot of, I hear, I read about a lot of Kings fans saying, well, we'd love to have that guy. You know, we'd love to have that guy, you know, he'll be a restricted free agent. i get that damn dream up. You're not getting John Collins out of Atlanta. But but you could have had him at 15 where, instead of taking uh, Justin Jackson. But, hey, they wouldn't have taken John Collins anyway because you weren't going to impede the progress of Scala BCA, clearly. Um, then you go down, you know, then they take, they take Giles at 20. And before I get into the whole story, let me keep on going. Guys that were taking after Giles that might have helped the Kings. Uh, how about Jared Allen, the center from Texas who uh, is now in Cleveland? I think he'd be a nice fit in terms of a rim protector, rebounder, defensive anchor. But again, as I said before, they weren't going to take a Jared Allen when they had a Willie and a Scal. Yeah. Then at 23, OG Ananobi. No. Tough wing defender type, you know, rugged type guy. Definitely the type of guy who could have helped this team out. Not there. 
later on. Kyle Kuzma's 27th. And I know a lot of you Kings fans love to hate on Kyle Kuzma, but damn it, Kyle Kuzma would be would help this Kings team. A player like that would help the Kings. Uh, a 6'8", 6'9", guy who can score. I know he missed a bunch of shots in the playoffs, but still. He seems to always light up the Kings. Just, you know, if we're going to go there with all of that. But, yeah, you could have had him, but you took Harry Giles. Uh, 29th, Derek White. Could have had Derek White. No, you don't have Derek White. He's now in San Antonio. 30th, Josh Hart. That would have been a nice fit for the Kings, I think. A guard who wants to defend and play defense. No, didn't go there either. And I'm not. And then I'll just kind of fast forward to the second round where they took Frank Mason, 34th overall. And uh, guys, you could have had after that. You know, probably the the biggest the the, the biggest one you look I look at in the second round is uh, at 45 a guy named Dylan Brooks, another guy who likes to light up the Kings, was the 45th overall pick. I think Thomas Bryant, another another big though. He was a sec, you know. He was forty second overall. That might have been a guy who could have helped the Kings. Uh, no, Sterling Brown was forty six. These are at least guys who are still in the NBA. Unlike Mason, who um, the Kings ended up just letting walk after a couple of years, and as um, ended up being a two way player eventually in Milwaukee. Yo, I believe he was a two way, you know, a guy in Orlando, but not a not not a rotation guy. You know, he's a guy, kind of a fringe player at this point. And the Kings, you know, whiffed, you know, pretty bad. He uh, Frank appeared in four games for Orlando this past season. So, he's appeared in 13 games over the last two seasons. That's kind of, that's not a good, thing, you know, good look for the Kings in terms of how they've mismanaged the draft. And also, I'll keep on going just for a couple of other guys, one of the guys at least. 51st pick in that draft was a guy named Monte Morris, who's a pretty damn good player out in, uh, out in, where is he? Yeah, Denver. <laughs> Excuse my, my uh, brain freeze right there. But let's revisit why the Kings made these decisions and why they didn't work. The Kings, and from my, my point of view, made the mistake a lot of bad teams made by overvaluing the players they had. And not trying aggressively enough to upgrade those positions. I'm a firm believer if you're in the lottery, why the hell are you drafting for a position? You're in the lottery. You're probably not a good team unless you're one of those random lucky teams who is a playoff team but has uh, another team's draft pick. You have no business no complaining about, well, we've got this guy on the team already. And to me, the De'Aaron thing was not a, uh, was a no-brainer. You did need a point guard, and at that point in the draft, De'Aaron was the highest-rated player available. You'll get no argument from me on De'Aaron. But the notion that you passed on guys like, you know, some of these talented four or five men like Collins and Bam, all because of the guys you had on your roster, typical bad team decision. Falling in love with guys you already have who haven't done shit. Guys who haven't made you a winner, but you're going to not draft a guy because you have guys who haven't won already. This is what bad teams do. And this is why four years later, we're still talking about the Kings trying to get into the playoffs instead of being in the playoffs. This is why we're talking about still needing to get De'Aaron Fox more help. Because a draft like this where the Kings had multiple chances to make a, a pick that would help long term. The Kings blew it on more than one occasion. And Justin Jackson 
with a guy they drafted to be kind of a uh, you know the, a possible small forward of the future. You know, a guy on the wing who could maybe be a decent defender. And also, you have to remember this too about uh, the Kings at this point. They were really big on the whole notion of getting good guys in because they were, you know, I call it part of the character matters movement. If you remember when the Kings traded DeMarcus, part of their statement about trading him said character character matters. As if, you know, DeMarcus was some criminal who ruined the franchise with his, you, you know, his terrible attitude and terrible character, which was all bullshit, you know. It was just it. It was a it was a low blow to a guy who, for all the issues he may have had, gave all he could to the Kings organization. I thought it was bullshit when they did it, and I still think it was bullshit they did that to him on the way out the door. But they were big on we're going to get these good guys, you know, we're going to bring in these good young guys and pair them, you know, and get these good character guys. And Justin was part of that. Justin's a nice guy. You know, he was getting married. <laughs> you know, he was just like, you know, the, you know, to be cliche, the kind of guy you'd bring home to your parents. No one had a bad thing to say about Justin, but Justin couldn't make a couldn't make shots consistently in Sacramento, which made him, you know, easily expendable when it was time to uh, pick up Harrison Barnes. And for his career, um, Justin Jackson's play appeared in 248 regular season games. He is shooting 32% from three for his career. And that, yeah, and 42%, no, for about 42, about 43% overall, 32% from three. Yeah, that's not what you, you know, that's just not, <laughs> that's clearly not good enough. And you look at the other guys who were drafted around him. I mean, John Collins is shooting 38% from three. So, I mean... Hey, that, you know, and that's a four man. So you definitely didn't get that, you know, that from uh, from Justin. You know, they tried starting Justin. They tried to, you know, get him in the lineup. It just didn't work out. By the end, he wasn't a guy they were playing. It was easy to trade him. Plain and simple. It was easy to let him go. Harry. The Harry Jowell situation remains one that fans are torn up, torn up over. Harry, you know, via social media, quickly became a fan favorite. Everyone loved Harry. You know, it was just, you know, a big love affair. The Kings uh, went on this campaign while Harry was out the first year rehabbing his knee injuries. Just kind of hyping him up. And I'm like, you know, they're dropping Chris Webber comparisons. Just a lot of unnecessary things with Harry. Unnecessary. I'm like, the dude hadn't hadn't really played basketball at a healthy high level in, what, three, four years? I mean, three years at least. He was coming off of, you know, he tore each ACL in, in high school. Was coming off of knee surgery in college. It was just a lot going on with Harry. But the Kings would have had you thinking that, this guy was about to come in there and just, you know, get you a double-double every night. And the King spent that whole year invested in him, getting him ready. Then you bring him out year one. And you saw there were issues. There, there were going to be issues on the court when Harry first got on the court in Summer League. And that would be the uh, summer of 2018. 
but they were expected issues. You figured Harry would foul a lot because we hadn't played in a while. And that became a theme of Harry's <laughs> time with the Kings, fouling a lot. Oh, he took issue with me at some point about me pointing out his him fouling a lot. But hey, it is what it is. You know, I think we got over all that. But yeah, Harry fouled a lot. Harry looked like a guy who hadn't played basketball in a while, which was to be expected. And after that second, that first season on the court, the Kings had a decision to make going into year three. And what does Vlade decide to do? Not pick up Harry's option, which makes him an unrestricted free agent after the 2019-20 season. And there was a lot of hate, anger at Vlade, and why would you do this, and why would you invest so much time into getting this guy healthy to not keep him beyond, no, at least not pick up his his, his offer, his, you know, his guarantee for year four. And some of that criticism may, may be warranted, but I'm going to do something that a lot of people don't do. I'm going to defend Vlade's decision on some level and remind people that it wasn't that Vlade didn't like it. It was a weird way to do it, but Vlade was trying to teach Harry a lesson. Um, that summer, it was going to be Luke's, you know, Walton's first year coaching. And essentially, there were concerns about Harry's work ethic within the organization. I'm a firm believer that Harry was not healthy that summer, which is why he did not participate in summer league. The team never really explained what was wrong with Harry, but Harry was clearly not healthy. Got a glimpse of him one day at a practice. He wasn't moving at all. He's just standing there taking set, you know, he wasn't doing anything. But this is where the team messed up. If there was an injury to Harry, I think you did him a disservice by not just saying what the injury was. So now Harry, you don't know what's going on with Harry. And then after Summer League, you know, the team, from what I was told or have been told, the team had some instructions for Harry in terms of what they wanted him to do with his offseason program. And Harry didn't always follow those instructions. It was almost as if Harry thought he had made it already when he clearly hadn't. And the whole we're going to make Harry earn it was... Not that you didn't want to have Harry around, but you wanted to send a message that you did not take this season serious. You didn't take that offseason seriously enough. Then Harry shows up the training camp. The word is Harry was not in shape. Harry gets injured. And then that, that leads to the whole rant before the team goes to India that year for the preseason. The random press release we get after media time that Harry Giles is you know, injured and will not be making the trip. Yeah. And depending on who you believe, Harry got left behind and, and was not was injured in part because he wasn't in shape. Harry would tell you he felt fine. But hell, does it really matter? Either way, no, Harry spent a lot a good chunk of that season out of the rotation. Mr. got a chance to play later, but it was clear that Harry was not a long term fit with the Kings and Harry would be fighting for his NBA life. For the, net, for the foreseeable future in the sense of he probably was going to be a guy on minimum deals trying to latch on to a team and trying to you know, kind of still prove his worth, which was the case for Harry this past season, signed with uh, Portland on the minimum. And even for a team that was hit with injuries to guys like Zach Collins and Yusuf Nurkic, Harry still was not playing a lot of minutes still, even still. 
in, in that situation. So maybe the Kings handled it wrong in, in terms of how, you know, how they handled Harry. Harry appeared in 38 games for for Portland last season, averaged 2.8 points, 3.5 rebounds, shot 43% uh, from the field. So, you know, maybe the Kings were right to, you know, to let Harry walk in the sense that, hey, are you really going to pay $4 million in for a, for a guy who's essentially are going to be a third, fourth string center? Doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense on the surface. So yeah. So it wasn't. Maybe the Kings weren't wrong, but the execution of it was pretty bad. And also considering the fact that that was uh, you had invested so much money and time into that pick to end up with you no know, to get nothing out of it, and that's the problem right there. You do all that and you get nothing. You got absolutely nothing in this case because you lost both players. Players picked before and after them are actually NBA contributors. And we're still trying to find help for De'Aaron Fox. And to me, it goes back to, as I mentioned before, the whole notion that bad teams have a way of overvaluing the talent they already have as if, you know, those players are so good that, (laughs) <laughs> you know, you can really reserve a spot for them, which is insane to me. And there's plenty of examples in league history of teams picking the best player available in spite of who is already on their roster and it works out better for them in the end. Imagine if Miami had a passed on Bam because they had a son Whiteside on the roster already and were paying him a big salary. Yo, that's you know, imagine if Boston had said, we already got a young wing guy in Jalen Brown. We're going to pass on this Jason Tatum guy because we don't want to mess that up. Well, I mean, there's just, there's plenty of examples of you take the best player available in the Kings. Haven't always done that. Hence why their draft history has been so shoddy. Hence why they are still a lottery team. And hence why they are one more season out of the playoffs from setting a new record with 16 consecutive missed seasons out the postseason. So that's my week this week or this episode's thoughts of former Kings and what we can learn from former Kings about this current team. So before I get into any mu- my quick little music take, I want to touch on one non-Kings topic, but it's still basketball related. And that's just to say that Glenn Big Baby Davis. I guess we shouldn't be surprised by a man who goes by Big Baby would act like a big-ass baby. But yeah, joking, whatever, I don't care. It's low class for you to, number one, mock Kyrie Irving for spraining his ankle. Or two, to be doing it because you're defending a damn fake-ass mascot. It's a damn... He stepped on the leprechaun. Gives a damn. I I, I am at a loss for words how a grown-ass man... A full-grown-ass man is is protecting and defending a freaking ma- damn mascot. And of all places, I mean, never mind the fact that the damn mascot gets stepped on the entire damn game. It's painted on the floor. But, you know, I always thought the NBA players were like a brotherhood. But you're gonna you're gonna talk about karma when a guy gets hurt because he stepped on a damn mascot. 
And don't even get me started on how trash Boston fans can be. The fact that Kyrie has to say, I hope they're, you know, going into that in those last couple of games in Boston, that he hoped there wouldn't be any racism aimed at from the fans. Imagine that. You've got to hope there won't be any racism. And, but you got Big Baby defending a damn painted mascot tomorrow don't step on lucky guess what when i go to boston again if i get it you know i don't know how the covid rules are going to be i might go step on damn lucky why because this shit is stupid and a grown man celebrating another man's injury because he stepped on a thing on the floor is just stupid and it just reminds me of this that just because you won a championship does not mean you just run around and run your mouth recklessly that damn 2008 boston celtics team is the most I'm going to say it, the most overhyped champion in recent memory. I mean, my God, they run around like they won five, six titles in a row. They did not. And, but I, but hey, at least they care about Lucky, right? At least Lucky ain't get stepped on when they were there. They weren't going to allow that shit. You weren't going to, they weren't going to let Powell Gasol step on Lucky. It'd have been, oh, yeah, you know, Dwayne Wade, LeBron, but not step on Lucky the hell didn't have a damn thing to say about anything else Kyrie said about the fan treatment Marcus Smart did but no y'all care about lucky the hell is wrong with people y'all I just don't get it okay I'm sorry rant about that over okay (laughs) I'm sorry that that just really annoyed the hell out of me when I saw that on social media that he really went there talking about the sprained ankle the same ankle he stepped on Lucky with. We should all go find a picture of Lucky and step on it. Yeah, do me a favor. Everyone step on Lucky. And then we should probably step on Lucky and tag Glenn Big Baby Davis. And let him know we're all stepping on Lucky. Just because that shit's stupid. It really is. I'm sorry. Okay. but Back down. Calm down. Calm down. Calm down. Before we got out of here, we got to get you a little quick little music thing. And... Today for music, I kind of took a, I kind of took a little um, diversion from my usual, and y'all know me, I love my West Coast hip hop, my '90s hip hop, my early 2000s hip hop, you know, my '80s hip hop. I like new stuff too, but you know, I'm sometimes I'm an old man set in my ways. But I took a little detour and I listened to, and not only listened to. I listened to and enjoyed the new Migos album. That's right. I'm a 40-plus-year-old me enjoyed the new Migos album. What the hell was wrong with me? I don't know, but I really enjoyed listening to Culture 3. And you would have never told me I would enjoy a Migos album. Why? Because I figured I was too old and I just didn't get it. But it was actually a very enjoyable album. I'll say that. I'll give you some of my highlights. Uh... It says a lot of good songs on here, actually, like that I enjoyed listening to. Quite honestly, Avalanche opening that was, I love the the sample on there. It, you know, it's good stuff. No, of course you you gotta have a song with Drake and Having Our Way with has Drake on it. I like that. Straightening and I love that. You know, I love the song with Cardi B type shit. I liked Malibu. I liked Vaccine. I liked Picasso with Future. I liked Antisocial with Juice World, rest in peace. I like, you know, I liked the song Mahomes. 
Yeah, I like this a lot more than I ever would have guessed I would have liked Amigos album just because, well, hey, sometimes I can be the, the get off my lawn dude when it comes to music. But I really enjoyed it. And if you're old like me, you should check it out. If you're young like me, you probably already are. Shout out to my homie Logan Murdoch, who is responsible for letting me know what old people old people should be listening to. So, yeah. I'm going to tell you, if you get a chance, definitely check out the Migos. I think you won't regret it. I think you'll like the album because, dang it, I liked it. And I'll probably never say that again, but I enjoyed listening to Culture 3 on my drive Sunday from uh, the weekend's uh, graduation festivities, uh, celebrating, uh, I call her my spirit child, my girlfriend's uh, uh, daughter, Jayla, you know, the queen of the court who hasn't been on in a while. So y'all should hit her up. You know, on social media, whatever it is, it's like Miss Lamika or something. Yeah, remind her that she needs, she owes the people an appearance. But congratulations to my spirit child, Jayla, who is a high school graduate now, who will be attending Cal Poly Pomona. She's going to be an engineer. She's going to be exceptional. She already is exceptional. She's going to, she's going to kick ass in college. I know it. And you know her parents, people like me who were just supporting her, her family. We're all proud of Jayla and wishing her the best this fall in college. So wanted to say that before I get out of here and hit me up on my socials, you know, Mr. Underscore Jason Jones on Twitter, Mr. Jones LBC on Instagram. I will be back later this week, I believe. Uh, yeah, there's only one episode about between graduations. My son's birthday as well. Uh, June 14th. Happy birthday, Derek. You know, little man turned nine. So, yeah, had a busy family weekend. So, but I'm going to try to bless people with another episode again this week anyway. So, that being said, I'm going to get up out of here. I've kept enough of your time. Uh, maybe next time we'll, we'll revisit more King's Draft Follies because I know you guys love to hear that. And maybe some, well, the Celtics aren't playing, but maybe someone will step on Lucky on TV and make Big Baby cry. Yeah, that would be funny. I would, I would laugh at that. So. That being said, I'm about to go play Culture 3 again. I can't believe I said that, but I did, yeah. So, y'all be good out there. California's open, baby. What we gonna do? Oh, man, I just hope the gyms don't get too crowded because I've kind of enjoyed these empty gyms, but I've seen the numbers slowly pick up. But either way, y'all, y'all be safe. I'm vaxxed, so I'm ready to go. I'm ready to get my party on with my fellow folks. So be good out there. Be safe. Take care. I will catch y'all later. I'm out. See you.